Welcome to the Burn Brightly podcast, a podcast for women who were born to burn bright without burning out. I'm your host, Hannah Austin. I'm an ex-corporate workaholic, and I learned to slow the burn and find balance. Today's guest has certainly learned from many lessons from challenges throughout her career, and has taken those challenges and turned them into successes. Christina landed her dream job right out of law school as an in-house trademark attorney. That was until she had this realization that what she thought was her dream job suddenly felt more like a nightmare. We had a great conversation today about the seasons of burnout, even during the successes of building a seven-figure business. Christina shares how selling her business and pivoting yet again was exactly what she needed to reignite her spark again. If you're ready to feel inspired, please welcome Christina Scalera. Christina, thank you so much for being here today on the show. We were so excited to have you as a guest. So I really appreciate you being on. Oh, thank you, Hannah. So why don't we start with what you're doing now, and then we'll go back to kind of where you started so we can fully capture your your burnout trajectory, your journey. <laughs> sure. So right now I have ChristinaScalera.com, which is coaching consulting for business owners who are looking to build a seven-figure plus business. Um through TikTok and social media. And also, you know, I, through sell it, or possibly selling their business. Um, so that's like long story short, that's how I got here is last year, I sold a company that I had spent seven years growing. Um, so if we back all the way up, right, I graduated from law school, I got my dream job out of law school, working in house as a trademark counsel. And it wasn't what I thought it would be. <laughs> So very shortly after I got that job, I had a moment where I woke up one morning and I just, I realized that was, that was the rest of my life. Every morning was going to be like that. I was going to, you know, wake up before the sun rose and um, commute through Atlanta traffic, which is no joke for anyone living in Atlanta. My, my heart goes on to you. <laughs> totally. Um, and, you know, I, I just had that moment where I was like, this is it. Like, this is, I, there's no more graduation. There's no more summer break. There's nothing to look forward to. And I, I kind of panicked. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that happens. I think a lot when you are in a career and you're like, this is what I think it's going to be. And then you're in it and you're like, wait, this is not the life that I wanted. Yeah. And I felt so guilty because literally my entire life had been crafted for this position mm. from school to the, all the money that had been spent to, yeah. to get there, to get the credentials and the degrees. And, um, and it was what I thought I wanted for so many years. Like, yeah. you know, since I entered high school and then really solidified it in college through internships and like, I mean, very, very specific track that I worked towards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the moment that you knew. You said you woke up and you're like, wait, wow, I don't want my life to be like this. I mean, this is the life that I'm living, but I don't want it like that. How did that been that feeling been kind of coming on progressively or was it just like boom? No, it morning? hit me like a like a ton of bricks. I was yeah. just like, wow, this is it. Like every single morning I have to wake up, I have to get ready, I have to put on makeup because that's what you have to do as a woman in America. Yeah. And I have to commute through this awful traffic to go to a job so that I can sit in that traffic for double the amount of time to come home um, or, you know, work until get, get really lucky and then work until nine or 10 at night and not have traffic, but I have to wake up again at six o'clock in the morning or earlier. So, you know, gay me. 
And it just, it hit me that it was like, what am I doing? Like, Mm -hmm. what am I doing this for? And I was really young and naive at the time. And like, now I, I, I'm a lot more optimistic, right? I, I could invite a lot more optimism into situations like that. But at the time, it just felt like there was nothing to look forward to anymore after I had built this like pedestal to climb onto. Yeah. How close were you? Were you, you were how many years into your career at that point? I was only in the first year. First year. Okay. And so did you tell anyone what was happening or were you like, oh my gosh, am I alone in this? Like suffering silently or what was kind of your next step? My next step was I'm I'm such a researcher. Like I, you want to play trivia with me because I know all the random things. <laughs> I spend all my free time on TikTok and Reddit. Um, you know, outside of like being outside and hiking and stuff. But, um, I researched: is this normal? Are other people experiencing this? I started researching alternative careers with a law degree. I started Ooh. researching what other lawyers are doing. I started researching like how to start a business. Um, so I, I was researching a lot of different things at the time and I actually stumbled through that research. I stumbled upon someone who's been my mentor since the beginning. Her name is Kelly Newsom George. And she, um, she was interviewed by, I think it was like business insider or like Bloomberg or something. And she was a corporate attorney who had left her job to become a private yoga instructor in Washington, DC. Wow. Yeah. That's a really, really cool story. If you can find the interview, it's worth it. But um, and now she's like really living her dream life in France. Um, she literally lives in, in the like the lavender fields of province. <laughs> but, you know, it was just so inspiring to see someone do something differently. And it didn't again, my naivete worked really well for me here because I was like, well, if she can do it. So can I. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that she had like a lot more going for her further. She was like 10 years into her career as a right. lawyer when she left. Um but I reached out to her and she got back to me and and it started, you know, what's now been you know, 10 or 11 years of, of mentorship. I love that. I love that story that you, did you know her before or were you just like, I no, found- I just saw her wow. on the Bloomberg interview. I love stories like that. When you reach out to a woman and you're saying, I need help or you're inspiring me and they actually call back or email back and say, yeah, I want to help you. Tell me a little yeah. bit about how you got the courage to do that. So I had a women's group last night. We They had read my book and then we kind of had a dialogue about what they learned. And they were talking a little bit about courage, um, having the courage to actually take that step. Um, yeah. And you mentioned, you know, you were naive and young. Do you feel like it was like, I have nothing to lose. I'm just going to email this person and they'll probably, I'll probably never hear back, but I'm going to do it. Like what made you think like, gosh, she may actually get back to me. I didn't expect her to get back to me. <laughs> Shocker. Yeah. I think, okay. You know, like I hedged my bet. I was just like, ah, well, you know, it takes 30 seconds to send this email right. off and, and to say hello. And she was actually thrilled that I reached out to her. Cause she's like, yeah, actually I have a whole like program. So, you know, it was, it was paid that I, I signed up for. And, um, you know, it, it's like, I've, I've paid her for the last, you know, however many years, but um, but she was thrilled. I mean, she was on there to get new business and I didn't know anything about running a business or getting press or PR or anything. Um, so, you know, she was just doing what she what she knew and and doing a good job at it. And I reached out and I was a great fit to work with her. And, um, you know, she's since pivoted to to working. Um, it's a long story, but she's since pivoted to, to working only with like mothers and, or like people that identify as mothers and um you know, who are having kids and, and raising families and stuff. Um, we still work together on and off, but 
you know, only because of that connection in the past. Yeah. But yeah, it just it, I had nothing to lose. And, I, you know, I, I didn't make it a big deal. I just was like, if she gets back, she gets back. If, um, you know, if if I hear back from her, great. If I didn't actually, it was funny because I felt like I had a sign because not even kidding, less than like, like, I think within that same month that she got back to me, I was reading uh, Chris Gillibo's $100 startup. Yeah, I love that book. Yeah. And she's in there. Oh, wow. So I was like reading. Meant to and then me. it was like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, this like lawyer turned private yoga teacher in Washington, D.C., Kelly Newsom. She wasn't married at the time. And I was like, it's like a sign that I should yeah. work with her. Like, Absolutely. what are the chances that I run into her twice? Actually, pretty good considering she'd been on like this good right. PR kick. But like, I didn't know that. I just was like, wow, it's a sign. <laughs> I feel like there's so many signs that the universe gives us. It's us whether or not we're paying attention. Right. And I, right. I love that story. So you take the risk. You're not sure if it's going to pay off or not, but it pays off. You meet Well, this- no, <laughs> it didn't pay so, off. Okay. Um, so I tried to do what Kelly did in Atlanta, um, but due to the aforementioned traffic and like just a lot of other things, I really, I was more into the business side of things than, than yoga and right. Um, it was like a whole debacle, but whatever. I, I kind of had this like quarter life crisis. I got certified as a yoga teacher. I tried to teach. Um, I wasn't really that great at it, but it it's funny because the things that you fail at give you all the mm. momentum for what's next. Got and it. so at the time, I just felt like every door was getting slammed in my face. I had no idea. Like, like basically I had, I'd been in college again to, to like learn yeah. entrepreneurship, but I didn't know it. Um, it just felt like a lot of money on credit cards that was sinking me. Um, but I learned how to blog. I learned the difference between a web designer and developer. <laughs> Very expensive and important lesson. Yes. Um, I learned all about, you know, how to use Facebook not as a social network. This is before, I mean, Instagram or TikTok or anything else really took off. So I learned how to use like social media as like a business tool instead of just like a social platform. Um, I learned all of these things. Oh, and through teaching yoga, I was always afraid of public speaking. I, I learned to be a great yeah. podcast guest or, uh, you know, speaker for conferences or whatever. So it really was this crash course in learning how to do all of the skills that I would use later. I just, at the time, it, it everything felt like a failure. Um, and, and of course, like that just looming constant yeah. debt was always over me and feeling unbearable. Was this two years in or how many years in was this? Yeah, this would have been the second year. So I ended up leaving my corporate job because I was like, I'm going to do this. Like, how can I fail? You know, I'm going to burn the the bridges. I'm going to burn the boats. And I took the leap. I hired Kelly as a mentor. Um, I got the website up. I got the branding. I I did everything, you know, that, that she taught me and that I was supposed to do. And then no one cared. No one cared. I got maybe 10 visitors to my website a month. I gave out all the private yoga, the free yoga, the free classes, the free classes in the park, the free classes at studios, the free, 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 free. And nobody cared. In fact, I had several people that I reached out to um, are in that journey who I was like, hey, like, I'll come, I'll do this. And they're like, how dare you approach me about this? Like, why would you ever think I was interested? Da, 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 da. so anyway, long Brutal. story boring, I eventually stumbled into a group that was very, very, very newly formed at the time called the Rising Tide Society. Um, like I had watched their account go from, you know, 
2000 followers when I first joined to 50,000, like it felt like overnight. Um, And so they had local meetups and I would go to those meetups as a private yoga teacher. And at some point I'd always get outed as a lawyer. And that was when people really took an interest in Mm. everything that I had to say, because like as a yoga teacher, they're like, Oh, hi. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. But when I was like, well, I, you know, actually, I'm, I'm a trademark lawyer. And they're like, I have all these questions. And it ended up like, I remember the the meeting I went to ended up being like a, it was like kind of like a free for all Q&A, ask the lawyer session. Um, and I realized, wow, okay, people need help with this. And yeah. because I had the platform online, nobody was reading it. I was like, well, screw it. I'll just like change the logo on the yeah. site header. <laughs> and I'll just start blogging about legal stuff for for creatives and online entrepreneurs and you know it's not like I know entrepreneurship I haven't really done this successfully but I I know the legal stuff I can talk about what an LLC is and all this other you know very basic business stuff that people just it wasn't even like they needed the education about it it was more like they needed the permission yes and the um just someone someone to give them a green light in that area because it felt so hard like they they all felt like they were going to go to jail for well, and you don't know what you URL don't know. I mean, you know, as a new <laughs> entrepreneur, you just think, oh, I can do a website and put up my services and start charging. You know, there's, you know, trademark issues, there's LLC issues, there's tax issues. Like there's so many issues as an as a manager and entrepreneur that you just don't know what you don't know. So I think it's it was a great idea leaning into what you really knew. Yeah. Yeah. What I knew and then overlapping that with an audience I was actually really excited to work with. Yes. Yes. And it seems like, so was that quickly, did the orders come flooding in? What happened from going from like two views or 10 views um, or visitors on your traffic as a yoga instructor versus (laughs) now? Was it like the gates flooded open or what was it a slow burn? Nope. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It was three months of pure crickets you know, I got my welcome sequence up and, you know, it was like every little step in the journey where they tell you like, this is what you need to be successful. I would do that. And I'd feel so encouraged and excited because I'm like, ah, I have it now it's out there. And then like, nobody gave a crap. (laughs) So finally I got in front of someone else's audience. They were like, Hey, can you come and teach about contracts? I'm like, Mm -hmm. yeah, sure. Why not? And they're like, Okay, you just need to basically talk about like what a contract is, like why it's important, da 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 da. And I had known enough from, you know, circling around right. the entrepreneurship <laughs> failure drain at this point <laughs> to know that I should have something available for sale at the end of this presentation. So I give the presentation that's very educational, very dry, very just, I mean, I tried to make it funny, but who knows. And I talk about, it was called Contracts 101, just to give you an idea of like the topic and how sensational it was. But I talk about the contracts. I talk about how I think it applies to the audience that I've been told is watching. And then at the end, I give the world's worst pitch for like 30 seconds of misery. And I start, I I had no idea because I have everything closed, right? I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this like, like super well. And later on, after I answer all the Q&A, the Q&A went on forever and ever and ever. And I was just like, wow, this is great. They have so many questions. They're such good questions. And I close everything down. And I remember I was like at the the office I was renting because like I, I had literally nowhere to work. Like mm-hmm. my apartment was just so gross and like it had roaches and oh, it wow. just like, yeah, like it just, I don't know. It was just like icky. And so, but that's, you know, that's, that's the slog. Yeah. And I was at this office I was renting for the evening and I just remember closing all the like apps, everything. 
and opening my email for one last time. It's like completely dark out, right? It's like January. So, you know, it had been dark for a while and I'm sitting there in the dark with like the little light shining at my face from the laptop screen. And all of a sudden my email inbox, just, you know how it loads and it's yeah. like, boop, 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 boop. and it was like order confirmation, order confirmation, order confirmation. And Yay. by the end, yeah, by the end of the, I hadn't sold more than $2 worth of product ever, like ever on Etsy. Like I did little signs and whatever. Um, by the end of the weekend, I'd made $3,700. Yeah. Awesome. So I was like, oh my gosh, there's actually something to this. Like, cause I had really started to feel like people yeah. were just lying to me. And what if I did a really good pitch? What then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it was crazy because at the time I was the only one that was really like yeah. visible in the niche because of that presentation. And so I started getting asked to come onto people's podcasts and speak at their conferences and do all this stuff that felt really overwhelming and scary because remember I was a literal nobody. Like there was one person I had reached out to because I had this idea for like, oh, I'll do bridal yoga. Like on the day of the wedding, I'll, <laughs> I'll do like- That's a great idea. Private, yeah. Uh, I mean, now that I've gotten married and had a wedding, I don't You're know so stressed. Want... <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so there was a wedding planner I had reached out to and like now we're friends, but like I remember she never got back to me, never got back to me. And then she was like really rude about it. And then like I blow up in this different context and she's like reaching out to me mm -hmm. to like beg me to come on her like whatever. And it was just it was just such like a full circle weird moment where it finally felt like things were working after. I mean, this was probably this would have been third year. Yeah three and a half, four years into yeah. like this not working out, which was like purely on the help of like very, very, very like pittance of a savings and severance and um, family and credit, mostly credit cards. So after that, so you're in year three, you're seeing the, like your inbox blow up. Like, were you like, I can't believe this is happening. Or were you like, yes, this is, I'm going to get into it. It feels like I'm in the avenue. I'm in the groove. And then you just propelled forward or what's the next step. And I'm trying to be as granular as possible because I have a lot of people on the show that say, oh, I went from A to Z and they don't understand that A to Z, there's so many <laughs> failures and lessons and successes that are in between. And it's always kind of in those small details, right? You just said you went and borrowed someone's audience. You gave a so-so pitch and yeah. you were successful based on a so-so pitch. So mm -hmm. you learned a ton of lessons just in that one, you know, Zoom or our Zoom or whatever it was. What do you do next? Like, what do you do? That was when I started to get a lot of inquiries. Like, can you come to my audience and do this? Can you? So it was interesting because I was like, oh, so if I put out what I want people to see, they are going to hire me and ask me to come speak for their audience and they're going to buy those products. So I was like, well, I need to do more of what works. Right. Let me put out more, like, let me make a speaker page. Let me um, create like something that looks more legitimate than just like, hey, here's my contact information. Yeah. So I just started to look at like, functionally, how would a stranger approach my platform, whether it was like Instagram or a website, like, and how would they go through and use that? And I've, I tried to like go through it as if I was approaching it like a, like a fresh set of eyes nice. and just ask myself, like, could they hire me for something? If I was on the homepage, what would I do next? What would I do here? Um, if I wanted to hire Christina as a speaker, what would I do? And so I really tried to put myself in like the third person yes. and look at how other people were viewing me, not from like a critical perspective, but more like, 
how can I improve this to make there be less friction in this process so that whoever's going to my website, whether they want to hire me or they want to buy something, um, I make that the easiest journey possible for them. And so it was just, honestly, it was just a lot of work and testing, um, a lot of experimentation. It's almost like if you have a house, you like to tinker around, you know, change the front door color, whatever. It's like that. Like it just, for someone that really wants to tie everything up with a neat little bow, um, which was me at the time, I've really grown out of that. But like at the time, I really liked that. And it just felt it started to feel overwhelming because it was like there never was an end. There was always something else to do. There was always new customers, new clients, new new people to reach, new podcasts to go on, um, you know, new software to try, new whatever. So it it felt overwhelming for a long, long, long time. And I think one of the worst parts about it all was I was so ingrained in this like Monday through Friday work schedule yes. that yes. I felt like I couldn't turn off. Like I like I wasn't allowed to turn off if the rest of the world was working. Mm. And the rest of the world's all different time zones. So when did you actually rest? (laughs) Now, well, now that I'm on the Pacific coast, I like, I love it. And you know, I don't, I have private like coaching clients and stuff now. Um, but like when I was a trademark attorney, cause that was the other thing I was kind of doing to float myself during that time. Um, when I was a trademark attorney, I was on the East coast and that was where the majority of my clients were located. Mm. So it was like, I get those emails right when I woke up and like, it just wouldn't stop until, you know, five or six o'clock at night. So it was like kind of going back to the schedule I had before, um, albeit, you know, now in a roach filled apartment or whatever, but like, um, when I finally moved to Colorado, uh, a couple of years into my journey, I, I went on a ski trip and just never left Colorado. And I started to realize because it's two hours behind the majority of my clients, then I was like, Oh, okay. I can like, actually take a break and things don't fall apart because yeah. I wasn't going to wake up at five in the morning so that I could be in my email by seven 30. Um, so I just started waking up at, you know, local times and it, it worked out and I was like, Oh, okay. Like nothing fell apart. As an entrepreneur, as you're building your business. And of course you want to be, um, available for the work that's coming in, right? Those there's rush periods. And of course there are slow periods. How did you adjust to that normal life? I mean, you mentioned you adjusted to the time zone and adjusted your work schedule, but how did you move from an eight to five girl to being an entrepreneur in that mindset? Like what boundaries did you put around you? It really wasn't so much the boundaries I put around myself at that time. It was the people I hired. So I started hiring contractors like that first year, um, very imperfectly. I first hired, you know, I did the VA thing where I was trying to get like virtual assistants and, um, just really had no idea what I was even supposed to outsource. So I was just kind of like hiring for things that I, I didn't even make any sense in hindsight, but I was really fortunate to stumble upon um, someone that I still work with to this day. And her name's Nicole Boucher. She has a great podcast. Um, so she was able to help me from an operational perspective. Uh, I did not hire her for that. I hired her to like edit blog posts or something. Um, but it was very clear that she had like this, deep understanding of systems and operations. And um, I think, you know, just being being a good service provider, she yeah. couldn't help but like implement some of that. And um, really Let me fix your business. Set up. Let me take yeah. it yeah. So like now Nicole's that person who I'm just like, hey, I want this to happen. And she is the magic maker. And she's like, okay, well, then we need to hire this person. We need to do that. We need to have this project. And she, she makes it all happen. Um, So anyway, we call her an operations director, but that was one of the first hires I had. And 
um, I think that really helped because it made me realize that like when other people are waiting on you for tasks, not just clients, but like your money is on the line. Like you literally don't get that money back if you don't use those hours or um, if you don't give them something to do. So it really forced me to be very good about outsourcing and then utilizing, you know, the things in, in my life that, that I had because I put them in front of me like that. Absolutely. Did you ever during this seven year entrepreneur journey or where you are now, did you say like, this isn't the life? Did you ever have that feeling that you had when you were sitting at your desk as an Yeah. Yeah. I would say honestly, the last like, so I started the contract shop officially in like November, 2015. And then um, it didn't make any sales until January timeframe, 2016. From 2016 to early 2018 everything was so fun so new so fresh so exciting I was having the time of my life even though I was working more than ever Mm -hmm. um it just it was like an insane time where I was like I'd never seen that much money in my life and also it was going right out the door because I was reinvesting everything I had back into this business um and I finally did the thing I'd been wanting to do for three years at that or longer, I guess, if you count before, but three years since I started that business and I hit a six figure month Mm -hmm. in May of 2018 and I completely shut down. Like I, at that point, I outsourced all my email responses, everything to Nicole. Um, I just, I, I I like logged out of everything. I just like couldn't handle it. Like the six figure month. I just like true burnout. I just was like, everything is going to fall apart. All of these people are going to realize that what mm. they bought is, you know, I've been selling the same thing for three years, but yeah. all of a sudden everyone that has ever bought from me is going to ask for a refund. Um, you know, I just, what I felt very unworthy of what had happened. And it it was like, this sounds really weird, but it was almost like traumatic because of what I, I, the story I spun in my head. Um, and it led to like many, many, many months, like until that fall, I mean, I was looking at like ketamine treatment for depression. Um, there's like an IV ketamine treatment for like severe depression. Cause that's, that's where I felt like I was. And luckily through looking for that doctor, I had to go to, you know, do lots of evaluations before the whole yeah, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I Unless found you're an a horse. <laughs> yeah, I found an amazing therapist and um and and psychologist, and she wouldn't diagnose me with depression. She's like, You have di- you have depression, but it's not like I, I have more like seasonal affective disorder. Um she's like, You have ADHD. And I was oh. like, What? And how old were you at this stage? Like, what was your age? 31. So you wow, okay. Yeah. And we started to look back at everything. Um and it just, it made so much sense. Like even the, cause I'd almost gotten kicked out of law school twice for one was like for really stupid behavior that I did during, it was, it was dumb. Um, and like another time it was just because my grades kept getting worse and worse. Yeah. Um, anyway, looking back, like it, it made total sense. And I really felt like it, it that like looking back at my school, I had excelled in college, high school, middle school, everything, right? Like top, 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 top. And then I suddenly get to law school and I can't make sense of anything. It always felt like I was left out of a conversation that I was supposed to be a part of. And I never got to hear the conclusion, which is really, really common for people with ADHD. Like they always feel like there's, um, 
like there's there's like something that other people don't know right or that's not something that other people they know and you don't know yeah yeah Yeah. so um anyway long story boring (laughs) with that one I got prescribed uh, medication so I was on that for several years and that really really helped but I never really got like my mojo back from Mm, that place until recently so basically last year what was that seven years into this journey um I made the decision to sell the contract shop because I looked at everything in my life and this amazing asset that I had built, you know, from scratch, invested everything, my time, my money, my energy. I just looked at it and I said, this isn't, this isn't bringing me any joy anymore. Like this is purely like, you know, running like a construction business at this point or something. Um, I don't want to do it. You know, and if I can, I have no idea. I I know I'm an attorney, but like, it's not like I had special mm-hmm. knowledge about how to sell a business. Um, I had done a little M and A work, but not like this. And so, I just put some feelers out there, and I was like, if I get something that looks close to like a couple years of salary, then I'll do it. Why not? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I had just gotten married. I had just bought a house with my husband up here in Washington State. And I was heading back into my seasonal depression um, era, <laughs> as as one does in the Pacific Northwest. Oh, geez, I know. It's so hard. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, and I was really missing Colorado. Um, so I was like, you yeah, know, that would be kind of cool if I could buy something in Colorado, whatever. And so I contact the company. Um, they give me a valuation and I'm disappointed in it. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I just feel like this company's worth more than that. And again, like signs from the universe, right? So I'm sitting there like literally looking at the valuation thinking like, I just don't know. This makes it really hard, you know, to make this decision. Not even kidding you. Like I look back up from being just like, like head in the hands. And I had another email from the brokerage and they were like, we made a mistake. (laughs) Um, It's actually like this much, 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 much higher amount. Wow. Did they miss a digit or what? (laughs) Yeah. Like, like a third more than like they had originally estimated. Um, So I was like, in that moment, I immediately wrote back and I was just like, yes, list it. Let's go. And (laughs) so they listed it and, um, you know, they, they prepped me. They're like, Hey, like when you sell a business, usually it's pretty quiet for the first few months. People need some time to check it out. I was like, okay, sure, whatever. So the first week, right, it, it felt like like forever. I was naked on stage. I'm sure. Everyone was looking at the financials and all the stuff I had submitted, you know, because you have to for the back end. And I could see every time someone unlocked the listing and looked at it and I just felt so naked. And mm-hmm. I just remember I got like the world's worst offer like that Friday after I listed it. And I was like, I just don't, it, it wasn't the world's worst offer, but it was not. You very wanted. respectful yeah, right. say of like <laughs> what went into it and then um all of a sudden there was a big uptick in activity like in week two and that friday i got an amazing offer and or maybe it was it was 10 days later or something um i got an amazing offer and i said like it was so hard to do this but i was like I'm going to wait over the weekend because i'm Good. adhd i'm very impulsive yeah. i'm just like yes let's go let's do this let's you know whatever so I wait over the weekend and <laughs> more signs from the universe, right? I'm getting back in my inbox and I see this other email and it's like this other offer that's submitted. 
and God, you it waited. Was like everything, yeah, everything I had written down that was like, no, like that kind of sucks. Like, uh, I don't know. Everything that I had been really hesitant about, it was included in that offer or like, Ooh. you know, didn't matter. Um, so I just was like, sold. This is it. Yeah. Yeah. So you made the decision to sell. You're feeling naked because everyone's going through everything, right? They're going through all of your emails, your documents, whatever you submitted, right? For all of your financial statements for the last three years. Like imagine today, I'm just like, hey, Hannah, we're going to look through all of your books for the Uh last three years. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's probably like writing a book. I mean, it's also your heart and soul. It's seven years of your life. It's pivoting your life. It's not just the monetary piece and a couple contracts and an online. True. This, this is all your hard work. This is Christina, right? You put everything in it. So right. you so you get the offer, you accept the author. Then do you panic again? Are you like, oh yeah, your six figure <laughs> month? You're like, oh shit, this is actually going to happen. And what am I going to do? When does the spiral happen or does it happen? Um, It happened in the car. <laughs> It always happens in the shower or the car, I tell you. Yeah, luckily it was in my Tesla. So I was like, all right, well, you know, (laughs) Tesla take the wheel. (laughs) Sounds like a country song. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, so anyway, I I heard the song and it was like the song that I had like, you know, the Eiffel 65 blue song, you know, that we all knew as a kid, whatever. And there was like the new BB Reha version that came out. So that came on and I just remember being like a kid in eighth grade hearing the original and like just like wondering what my life was going to be like one day and stuff. And here I am like listening to it again in this like updated 2022 format. And um, it just like everything hit me then, like everything I'd been working towards. And I, I just had this moment of panic, like maybe I don't want to sell this. Like maybe mm-hmm. this is maybe this is a bad decision. You know, like this was such a good profitable business for me like what am I doing just giving this away to like what just go be a coach like everyone else I I don't mean that in like a bad way I mean everyone and their dog is a coach I don't even tell people I'm a coach because I'm like I'm a coach (laughs) no I mean that but that's like how I was feeling in the moment like almost not that I'm like I don't judge other people but I was judging myself where I was like you know it I don't know it just felt it it felt like I was I was taking another big leap yeah and you know, I, I don't know. So I, I, and it felt like there was still so much in store and so much room for the contract shop to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one thing I would say anybody that is like really stuck in their business, if they could just take a moment to pretend like they're selling it, they'll find so many opportunities Ooh, that they've forgotten advice. about Yeah, that they, yeah, because it was like, I had to list out everything that could possibly an asset be an asset for this business. And it's like funnels I had forgotten about and products I had never launched and, you know, emails, like entire automations for a year, like a year's worth of emails. Um, Like I could have literally just like pressed play and walked away from the business and just let it you know, run. Yeah. And I was like, why am I walking away from all this? Um, But yeah, by the time I had gotten home, you know, I just, I was like, no, like you made the right decision. And, and by then we were you know, in contract, we had the letter of intent and all that kind of, I say we, it's just me. Um, I do that all the time. I'm like, we, and everyone's like, Hannah, we're not going live. You're going live. <laughs> it feels more comforting for I some reason. <laughs> yeah. Even though like, I know it's just me, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. <laughs> we're the we club. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. 
So you sell your business, you're second guessing a little bit, like any big decision, of course, you're going to think that, you know, you're going to be like, oh, I sold the business, I'm, you know, partying in the car. And then you're also going to be like, oh, my God, oh, shit, what did I do? I yeah, could have made million X, Y, Z. So when you're when all is said and done, and it's buttoned up, and you no longer have that business, what do you do? Are you like, I'm back where I was before I have to start from scratch? Like what inspired you again to do what you're doing now? It's a great question. Um, I don't know. I had a lot of months where I just kind of flopped around and it was a really like it, it sounds so funny and privileged. I understand that to to say that after like these big leaps in income or yeah. lifestyle or whatever, that I had these moments of just like pure breakdown. Um, but that's always when they happen for me. It's, you know, I can do I can do stress and anxiety all, all day long. <laughs> You're the CEO um, of stress and anxiety. <laughs> yeah, like there's enough store-bought serotonin for that. But I I just can't I, I have a hard time accepting success and accepting good things that are coming my way. And it's something that I've had to really work on and enjoy um, and not just wait constantly for yeah. the other shoe to drop. And so it was many, many months of that. Um, and so I somewhat impulsively did end up buying a house in Colorado. I, I love it though. So I'm not, I don't regret it. Um, but I definitely like did that pretty impulsively and and that became my project for a while. And um, I was like, okay, well, you know, that was like my retirement fund where yeah. I just, oh, no. <laughs> I was going to be retired for a few years and kind of figure out what I wanted to do with my life. So now I don't have that. Good job, Christina. You spent that. <laughs> Um, better get it back out there and work. Yeah. And that's, that's what house. I did. And yeah. it just, it was really interesting because while the cycle was faster, it was still the same, mm. like in terms of getting products out that worked, um, and building an audience now with this new angle of like, I'm a business owner who mentors other business owners, but like, I'm coming at it from a place of, I sold my business and I'm really good at like finding niches within, um, industries and, and market gaps and things like that. So it, it took a lot of like, like I thought I would talk more about money and like that journey and selling a business, but it turns out a lot of people don't care about that. <laughs> it's like a very niche audience. Um, so then I, I pivoted and now I'm, I'm talking more about, you know, other things I really enjoy, which are like TikTok. I've really loved just, I've blown up three accounts on TikTok very quickly. And, um, realized at some point that that's like not normal. So I'll teach people how to yeah. do that. And, um, you know, just looking at, at different things that I really love and it's, it's been interesting and a nice break, um, getting and, and just getting some of that mojo back because it's like when you have those periods of burnout, it just feels like you're never going to escape them. Yeah. Like never. And so what inspired you to do, you know, at this point, you know, seven years ago, TikTok and everything wasn't wasn't happening, right? It wasn't there. So what right. got you into TikTok? Were you already doing that prior to the sale of your your business? And mm -hmm. then you were just like doing a new account and then reinvigorating yourself in a different on under a different account? Or was this new, new learning for you? And does that the new learning, does that energize you? I mean, learning and, and being curious is always what captivates me yeah. and and keeps my attention um and and momentum and mo really motivation. Um, going, you know, like if I don't have those moments in my daily life, I yeah. just, I'm not a very happy person. Yeah. Um, I, I have this like habit of starting a business, like w overlapping another one. So in August of 2020, we're all at home and bored. Right. Um, 
I started a second business that was teaching people how I was doing what I was doing with the contract shop, mostly because I was getting a lot of questions about it. And I was really sick of answering the same question for free every single day. Right. And like I created a whole vlog series about it, but people still were asking me the same question. So I'm like, fine, I'm just going to create a paid product. And I did it. I put it out there. Um, it sold incredibly well. I was able to leverage part of the contract shop's audience um, into that product. And then I I split the brands off once I had that market validation and continued to sell that product as well as run the contract shop. So I knew I had that in my back pocket. Um, you know, at the time that I sold the business, I had a couple courses, a couple clients, um, you know, enough that that I had my my monthly living expenses um, paid and all that. But the contract shop was really what was giving me, you know, like the extra like nice money and, and you know, buying cars and yeah. putting the down payment on our house in Washington and all that kind of stuff. So it, you know, getting, getting a lump sum up front essentially um, for selling the company that, you know, that, that obviously helped, but um, having the other company that I could then fall back to and yes. it gave me more options because yeah. I didn't just have to like, like I would have had to miss out on that house in Colorado, which I feel like is, is a really great investment. Um, but also like keeps me sane during the winter yeah. because I can go down there exactly. and enjoy it's the sunny sun. all the time. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think it, it helped to have those overlapping businesses. And I think I got that one time because someone was like a millionaire has seven streams of income or something. Yes. Um, and I was like, well, usually all these people that I see that have like really successful businesses, they all have like a couple companies, like I'm going to do that. And at the time I did that, I didn't really have enough experience to be running multiple companies. Mm -hmm. So it just always felt overwhelming. Um, maybe to this day it still does because what I found is like I'll I'll split these brands or start these new companies and then one of them ends up fading away and I, I really focus on the other one. Hey, well, it's almost like, you know, putting three things out in the world and one one of them has got to click, right? One of them has right. got to click. I love what you said though about you have the other audience and then you're tapping into that audience. You're not reinventing the wheel, but you're extending the product line. And that's something that I think a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, they don't see kind of the innovation behind that. And it sounds like that was what sustained you even after the sale. I'm curious though, now I'm kind of looking back since the episode is over about like lessons from challenges, what would you say um, like your number one kind of bite soundbite or teaching moment would be as far as your biggest lesson from all of those challenges? <laughs> I mean, obviously getting diagnosed with ADHD is huge, right? Like that yeah, is, that's like I, I a would, life changer. One of the first things I always do with my clients is I, I suggest that they go find a good general practitioner doctor. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I try to make sure they always have it. That sounds really funny from a business coach. But I'm just like, 50% of your issues are going to be mindset. The other 50% are going to be like, like 40% is going to be you having some kind of undiagnosed condition. Health. Yeah. And the other 10% is going to be like strategy that I can mm -hmm. actually help you with. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, the mindset and the strategy piece we can work on together, but I can only do so much right. if you have, you know, untreated anxiety Absolutely. or, um, you know, depression or I have OCD too. So it's like, there's only so much that I can do as, as a mentor and a, a guide. Um, if you're not treating the underlying issue. I love so, that. Yeah. So true. It And a lot of people are like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's one of those things, you know, you should do, 
you maybe do it every few years, but like, like I meet with my doctor at least once a month and it definitely helps now that, you know, my husband, he's in the military. So, um, he, you know, we get the, the healthcare and stuff through them. But even when I had, um, even when I was self-employed, I paid, I think it was like $150 a month for a doctor in Atlanta that I could just like email and talk to and call and once a year or twice a year we'd have like in-person visits it was really helpful just to have someone that I could constantly check in with and optimize my my healthcare not like I was biohacking or what I'm like a little overweight whatever but like um <laughs> yeah. you know it just we all deserve that like you don't have to be a biohacker to like tap in to see what's going on and I think one of the most powerful lessons I've learned in entrepreneurship is that I don't know everything and I don't have to know everything, especially when it comes to my health. Like there's so many times where I go into doctor visits and I'm so prepared and well-researched and I'm like, oh, it's definitely like this. I just need this prescription. Like I don't even need a doctor. And they come back to me and they're like, "Mm, we're going to do this. And I'm like, why? And they tell me and I'm like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, That is a better solution. This is more aligned with like whatever. So Doctors actually are good at their jobs. And I would say that anybody that hasn't visited one in a long time is doing themselves a huge disservice. Um, and, you know, a really good doctor also won't stigmatize the things that you're feeling. Yes. They won't gaslight you. They won't try to like, th- like brush it under the rug. And I'm really lucky that it, it took me many tries, but I found someone like that here in Washington. Um, it helps that she's like our age and a woman. And understands think, it. But, yeah, understands it. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just it's been such a game changer. Like she's gotten my medications and stuff for like ADHD and anxiety and everything optimized. And that was really when I started to see that burnout turn around this year is like when I went on Zoloft and then she like worked with me to optimize the dose and all this other stuff. So, yes, I was doing all the things that I should have been doing as a business owner to get out of that burnout. I was, um, you know, doing all the things as a human to optimize my health and whatever. But like, again, it was that missing piece of, of, a, of an SSRI for me that, that really changed everything. I love that. I think it's really important, especially with women entrepreneurs, we will work through our symptoms. We won't <laughs> stop and pause and take care of what we really need to take care of. And if you don't have your health, frankly, you have nothing. You can mm-hmm. get a six-figure month or you can mm-hmm. buy a house in Colorado or live in Portland or live in Seattle and live in kind of your best life. But how are you going to live your best life or teach others to grow their business if you're not healthy yourself, both mentally and physically? So thank you, Christina. I'm going to end on that today. Thank you so <laughs> much for being here. I loved your story. I love it when you say long story boring, but it is not boring. It is so important <laughs> that everyone's hearing that it's not so easy to become an influencer. It's not so easy to build a business. There are so many steps that go into from A to Z. So thank you so much for being here, my friend. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Burn Brightly podcast. Did you know that as well as hosting this podcast, I'm also an Amazon bestselling author. My new book, Hello Head, Meet Heart, is the breakthrough story and self-help guide by yours truly. It's all about how to tap into your extraordinary life. And you can find it in both paperback and ebook on my website and on amazon.com. Thank you so much for listening. And if you have a moment, could you please leave me a review? This helps more people find this show so that they can also feel inspired. See you next time.